This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I need some media advice right here off the top it's not often that i consult others at least uh here on cardinals underground brought to you by pacific office automation darren urban danny Sarek. but when josh dobbs meets the media this week i've been thinking thinking considering contemplating whether to pose a question considering his background as an aerospace engineer and his internships at nasa would it be out of line if i asked josh do you believe in ufos Okay. I think you should. There's, there's two things here. One, big props to you for thinking, Paul. Also, um, <laughs> he looks so surprised. I think you should ask UFOs like and aliens. Like You should ask all of it. I just, I just had a, a long conversation with Josh Dobbs for a story I'm posting on azcardinals.com this week. And he happened to mention that what he had done the afternoon he got traded i think it was or somewhere in that time frame was he had just done a non-football podcast talking about ufos and aliens yes I, he didn't say whether he believes in them but he did say he he had talked about because it. you know if i need a follow-up what i'll say is josh uh, a pentagon report in 2021 said of 144 sightings by military pilots made since 2004 all but one remained unexplained. But officials, government officials, did not rule out the possibility that these objects, supposedly in the possession of our government, are, quote, extraterrestrial. So even the government. There was that whole Pentagon or congressional hearing a few months ago. I wonder if that's what they were talking about. Because there were a lot of um, unanswered questions. I think you just found your next... Big Red Rage live show guest. That would be good. That would be good. I mean, that would draw out a real crowd. Okay, Jim Omohundro, here's what we need to do. This, see, this we get the uh, you know, all these you know ideas floating around. Especially for the live, the live, yeah, yeah, the live. The Valley has hosted the UFO Congress for years. It, for many wait, years, wait, there's a UFO Congress. It was in Fountain Hills for a long time. It got so big they moved it downtown to the Phoenix Convention Center. Now. This might have been pre-COVID. I don't know if it's been back since COVID. Do you get elected to that Congress? Well, every year the news goes out there and they cover it, and I would run some money sound bites in a segment I used to do, Paul's Call. All the UFO believers, I would feature these guys. These guys were deep thinkers, <clears throat> among other things. I have a question, and I know that the two of you are going to rip me because it's going to come off condescending, and that is truly not my intention. Why oh, would boy. I rip you? Paul, with your non-football interests, I know that classic cars is at the very top how okay. much further down is ufos and aliens it's top 10 it's top 10 you have um, 10 non-football <laughs> hobbies i must be i must be the boring one because i, I don't even know that like, i have like man five. you got a lot of free time Come on, on a, on a, that needs that needs to be a segment of what are paul's we go through all 10 no, and we stop. talk about all the hobbies actually today it might be number two because considering how the stock market is tanked um oh, that see, is, I, that is know down I don't want to talk about that no, one that one doesn't interest about, me no absolutely not we're talking about the rising stock of the arizona cardinals there is there the it segue, is paul okay and, and danny if you have a really good podcast and that okay if if you have a really good podcast maybe you can take the microphone home with you like you saw Kaiser White take the football with him off the field, like you saw Josh Dobbs take the football with him off the field, up to the podium at least. I love that. I mean, you might think it's kind of hokey, and but I thought that was genuine. He wasn't doing he, that for the cameras. He knocked my recorder down, though, Paul. Were he, you the one whose camera or recorder yes, fell off? Yes. Did it survive? Was it still recording? It was still recording, which he promised it would be. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, he he knocked. He was fiddling with that football the whole time he was talking to us, and then finally yeah. over the edge. Yeah. You can I can play yeah. it at some point for you, Paul. 
That would be good. That it would be. I like highly paid, highly capable football players who treat it as more than a job. Because it's real easy for these guys to treat it as just a job. Eh, you win some, you lose some. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to give the 100%. But you know what? At the end of the day, eh, the scoreboard says what it does. No. Josh Dobbs doesn't appear to be that guy. In year seven, on his sixth different team, you have seen him get so much better from one start to the next to the point now where he's only made five career starts. So what's in store number six? I mean, this is sort of a, a UFO onto itself. I mean, this dude is an unidentified flying object right now. What exactly is he all about? Who can define him? What is the upside left? Even the head coach this week on his TV show, I posed that question to Jonathan Gannon, and he smiled and kind of gave that look like, nobody knows how much is left under the hood. For those of us who like the sport of basketball, mm. there's – there's oftentimes a lot of conversation and I think it impacts I mean I think it impacts all sports but basketball has always been one where you have conversations about the what if guys the guys and I'm not talking about the guys who got drafted and didn't get it necessarily get a chance I'm talking about like the serious what if guys the guys that played in Rucker Park and never went to college or for whatever reason got into drugs or, or whatever and and people swear like if he had gotten on the right path, what kind of player would he been? And for a certain extent, there, there are football players like that, obviously. Now, we, we know some success stories, and maybe Josh Dobbs is becoming one of those right now, but, you know, the, the guys that, you know, in, in our conversation he was saying, look, I know there's only 32 of these jobs at any one time. I mean, there's, there's going to be guys out there who are capable of, of having this role and never getting – a shot or a fair shot. I, I was telling him about when I talked to talking to Kurt Warner back in the day, 2006, after he'd gotten replaced by Matt Leiner in the, in the lineup. I remember vividly talking to him and doing a story about how Kurt Warner was considering retirement. There was like six weeks left in the season. And he was open with me about, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting after the season. And obviously he could still play. He had three more seasons that got him into the Hall of Fame, but he just felt like he was never going to get that chance. He got replaced by Matt Leiner a year or two after he got replaced by Eli Manning. So he's like, okay, you know, what what is my future? But, I mean... Let's figure this out here. Josh Dobbs. Okay, so he has the size. He has the measurables. He has the athleticism. Even he he saw the next-gen stat miles per hour graphic up on the Cardinals video board. I saw him looking at it, and he referenced it after the game where he was ahead of Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore left the entire Dallas defense in the dust, and yet you had a faster miles per hour, 19.8 versus 19.2 by Josh Dobbs. Right? So, okay, he has all that. Danny can run that fast. But here's Thank what you. here's what stood out to me. Is in that same press conference, Darren, I don't know if it was before or after he knocked your recorder onto the floor. I don't really know. But when he was describing the Michael Wilson 69-yard catch and run, nice. he, he said that was his third read. So now if he's seeing the field, if he's a legit dual threat quarterback, which he is, you saw the speed, you saw the running ability, you saw the escape ability, how he can extend plays. But if he can really think and see the field and go through his reads, there's a lot of NFL quarterbacks who never get to their third read. They're one of those one or two reads, and they take off kind of guys. And to not only get to that point, but to throw the accurate ball. I also think about the touchdown to Hollywood Brown, where he was pedaling backwards, being pressured, and threw the ball. And yes, it was low, but it was catchable. Hollywood made the catch. And it and so, so that accuracy is impressive of not only being able to go down to your third read that quickly and make that throw, but then also another great example, that touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. What we have seen from Josh Dobbs has been really remarkable when you see the progression from week one to week two and then to week three. The confidence he has, the way he is commanding this offense, the quick releases, the decisions that are being made. He hasn't had a single turnover, not just interceptions, but being smart, holding well, on to the ball. I was going to say single interception. He has he did fumble the ball, unfortunately, in right. Washington. But has been smart holding on to the ball. I think about the sack with Parsons. I mean, not getting rattled in that sense. What we have seen from Dobbs to come into this situation, which is difficult. You're coming into a team where you know you are not going to be the starting quarterback when Kyler Murray comes back. 
you're coming in to start the season with only six practices. You didn't have training camp. You didn't have preseason. So to come in and quickly understand this offense, get to know your teammates, really improve the rhythm and the timing and the communication week after week. And each week so far, the offense has had to roll with a different scheme because they've been playing such different defenses, right? So you were going against that really stout front in Washington, and we were seeing those more horizontal passes this week against Dallas. We didn't really see a lot of the tight ends being used. And so to be able to work with different schemes, so again, so quickly coming in here and to do it with such accuracy and command and calmness has been really impressive from Josh Dobbs. Yeah, you mentioned cover zero on the Marquise Hollywood Brown touchdown throw. He he mentioned that. He recognized that right away. And so he sort of backpedaled and let those defenders come on him, almost like he's throwing a screen, and then got it into the end How zone. How he got it that far with enough juice on it. Yeah. And, then, and then on the Rondale Moore 45-yard touchdown run, the way he describes it, he said he, he sort of downplayed it at first, said it was an outside zone. Uh, we did a good job of mixing up our personnel and he said, we caught them communicating, and they were short in a box count. So I told myself, snap this ball and get this ball as quickly as possible into the hands of Rondell Moore. So it's it's those things as a thinking man's quarterback, a guy who's been in the league long enough, who's not learning on the job. Now he's getting job experience, he's getting starting experience, but he's seen enough, he's been in enough film rooms, enough film sessions, and he's been on the field enough in his seventh season and then when you you hit rewind, you think about it. And, and I was thinking about this towards the end of the Dallas Cowboys game. He was the same pick in the draft as Dak Prescott, a year or two apart. They you're were, talking they, about like in the spot in the draft. Yeah, the okay. spot in the draft. Okay. They were the exact same. I pick. did not know that. And it almost lends itself to okay, is that the way the NFL views that sort of quarterback? And when I say that sort of quarterback, a dual threat rushing quarterback coming out of the SEC. Because as we've talked about on Cardinals Underground before, if you go into the all-time SEC passing rushing records for quarterbacks, there's four names. Tebow, Manziel, Dak Prescott, Josh Dobbs. Those four are ahead of everybody, a country mile ahead of everybody. So now you have Dak Prescott who comes in and gets a chance right away, gets all that experience, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the game. Josh Dobbs didn't get that chance. To your point about basketball players who never maybe got a chance or didn't make their own chance, he got stuck behind Big Ben. So who really knows what he's all about? You've never had an extended stretch to find out. He's now, he just started his third game in a row for the first time ever. He's about to start his fourth game in a row for the first time ever. So again, he went from a passer rating of 80 in week one to a passer rating of 100 in week two to a passer rating of 120 in week three. And I was talking with some of the personnel guys after the game, and I cited that stat, and they said, well, wait a minute, what's the perfect passer rating? 158.3. They said, oh, okay, well, he's basically got two more opportunities to improve by 20 points each of the next two games. Although, Tua... Gallows humor. Tua in Miami was uh, 16 for 60 and a halftime for like 200-some yards and two touchdowns, and he still didn't have a perfect passer rating, so... Yeah, so... And you know what? His completion percentage in this last game is top 10 all-time in Cardinals history, if I saw that stat right. I think that's right. Single-game completion percentage. So, okay, pump the brakes. Paulie, pump the brakes on Josh Dobbs. I get it. I'm just saying it's intriguing. Too late, Paul. It's intriguing. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for coming out with uh, an extended profile of Josh Dobbs this week on azcardinals.com. Yeah, it'll be posted Wednesday. Nice. Okay. And and. Question, the contract with Dobbs, is it's just through after the trade this year, right? Correct. He'll be a okay. free agent after the year. And then that's that's something, you know, I, I had a question in the mailbag this week about, hey, are we going to be able to keep Dobbs as our backup quarterback? Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think there is definitely going to be interest there. But he's now in a position where if he plays well over these next few games – there might be a team that wants to make him a, a, at least a bridge starter next year, and and you would think if ever and if everybody's healthy for the Cardinals, he's not going to yeah. be the starter here. I mean, if Jacoby Brissett got one year, ten million, eight million guaranteed to go to Washington, yeah, there could be a serious market for a Josh Dobbs by the time we hit March. Yeah, look, Josh Dobbs is making one point five million this year. Um, the the reality is is. He's he needs to cash in if he can cash in. I wouldn't blame him at all if he went somewhere else for a bigger contract. And, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, right. obviously yep. here. But but uh, 
you know, this this is this is what you do. This is this is the upside uh, or the downside, whatever you want to call it, of of finding a diamond in the rough as Josh Dobbs might be. And before we move on from Dobbs specifically, Josh Dobbs was the mic'd up player for the Cardinals content team this week. We mic up a player every week. It's a microphone, you know, on their pads and they're mic'd up. And it's so cool to get to see that point of view from a player throughout the game. Um, so those go up every week. So Josh Dobbs' mic'd up video is out. I believe it's on Twitter. It's for sure on the official YouTube channel. And it's and on the website. And on the website. It's just a great piece of content with really unique insight of, especially this player who is so new to this organization, we have spent enough time now around Josh Dobbs to understand the type of person he is and his reputation precedes him in the best way possible, not just his intelligence, but just how kind he is and open he is with the media. I know we covered his uh, journey with alopecia and a Cardinals cheerleader last week, which spread around just a really great person, but it's fun to see that competitive side and how he's been leading this offense. So go check out check out that mic'd up. It's, it's a really good piece, and we do those every week. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's the sort of insight and beyond, all access behind the scenes you can't get anywhere else. Even down on the sideline, you know, I can see him working the bench, but you can't hear what he says. And so to hear him go up to the defense and say, give me one more stop in the fourth quarter, give me one more stop, and then go to his offensive line and say, okay, here we go. We, we got to get this down the field, get some points on the board. The win's ours. Speaking of the bench, Paul, are you okay? Uh, <laughs> no. I no. wasn't going to bring it up. I mean, no. I, I, Come which, on. Did I, you get first, trucked? Is that what happened? Earlier today, Kyle Vandenbosch had this screenshot as the cover page on his phone. Oh, Okay, beautiful. which was just, come on, man. Well, explain to the people what happened, I didn't happened, think it was Paul. you at first, and I turned to Craig yeah. Greeley, who I sit next to in the press box, I go, was that Paul? And he pulls out his binoculars, and then we were trying to make sure you were okay. <laughs> the team docs offered multiple times, you sure You sure? we can go into the blue medical tent, all right? And I'm like, just stop it. Just stop it right now. What, what happened exactly? So there was a run play to the side, and I saw it coming. I know enough to know. In 19 years, I've never been plowed into, okay? And uh, that streak came to a screeching halt when Rondell Moore, incoming, came screaming across the white stripe. I saw it coming. I couldn't get. I couldn't go backwards because the stinking kicking net was there. So I'm blaming it on Prater. And then I couldn't go left to get out that way because the team docs were there. In hindsight, I should have just plowed the team docs. Every man for himself. And instead, as soon as I tried to get past the team team docs, too late. I got Rondell Moore right in my chest, and he's propelling me a good ten yards back. But you stay on your feet. I it did. wasn't. It wasn't like you you know, fell to the ground. Well, at least yeah. it was another fine diminutive American. <laughs> it was. It was. Two points. First, uh, let me address Danny first. I did say to myself, don't go down, don't go viral. <laughs> and to your point, Darren, you are right. Uh, if there was one guy, okay, I need, I, need, I need a guy his size plus a sports car with good braking ability. If it would have been like a Jeff Swaim or maybe, you know, I mean, God forbid, a Will Hernandez or even <laughs> a James Conner, uh, the braking distance is much greater and I would have been flattened. Yeah, that would yeah, have been. We, we'd have somebody else here hosting. Yeah. Well, we yeah. are glad you're okay, yeah. Paul. So there you go. The ignominy of getting run into. Never, ever, young reporters, do you want to be part of the story, okay? I live in fear of ever being part of the story. I'm just there to cover the story. And we did cover the Cardinals' first win of the year, the first win of the Jonathan Gannon era. Although you'd never know it by the poker face. No. I mean, so by design, do you think that's his genuine underreaction? Because he's been in the league 15 years and he just was with a team that made a Super Bowl run. Okay. Or do you think that was calculated? This is the expectation. When we win, we're not going to lose our mind because wins are going to be the norm here. At least that's the objective. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's, calculated from the standpoint of him saying the wins are going to be norm so let's act like we've been here before i but i do believe i mean i've never heard a man say more than he has over the last three weeks about how it's he's had to he's had to catch himself every time because what he wants to say is the results don't matter and he catches himself every time and he says look we're we're you, you have to it's a result driven league we have to win games but it's the process, it's the process, it's the process. And so I was not surprised when he kind of underplayed the victory for himself. And I don't, I don't think it's a show. I think he literally thinks it in those terms. Like, I, I think he looks at it like it's about the process. And 
I, I think we've gotten a sense of him working in this building that that's kind of how he views this whole thing. And um, I don't want to call it Belichickian by any stretch of the imagination, but it is kind of interesting because I feel like that's kind of how the Patriots have kind of done things over the years is like you don't – an extension of what you said, which is basically yeah. like that that game's over now. What, what about the next one? The expectation is that you win, right? So to a certain extent, I don't know that you want to be so – Woohoo! Right, because that's the expectation. But at the end of the day, I think too, it's the first win for pretty much everyone, including General Manager Monty Osenfor. That might have been the best reaction. Him standing in the tunnel, right off the field in front of the locker room, dapping up and hugging every single person that walked past him. Not only that, but Kayvon Wallace, a safety, must not have noticed him and kind of kept walking. Osenfor went and grabbed him to celebrate with Wallace. I mean, he did not let a single person pass him without celebrating that first win. Wow. Yeah, I I saw it at the end of the game when I was making my way down, and and that was genuine, no doubt. I mean, that reaction by Monty Osenfor. Because, look, absolutely no, no one gave the Cardinals a chance in that game. So there's a win, and then there's winning that game against that team. Although it's really becoming the norm, is it not? Seven of your last eight, you've beaten Dallas in this series? Yes, but but again, those things are all, I mean, that dates all the way back to, what, 2007 yeah. or eight, And we were getting so far removed. I mean, I barely remember 2008 at this point. Like, I don't know. That game doesn't yeah. have a whole lot of impact. Sean Morey's block punt of Matt McBriar yeah. and breaking McBriar's leg probably doesn't have a whole lot of impact on this game. But... It is. It's a nice stat. How about the fact, though, that Dallas was top three in every power poll? That's they that's have, different, right? They, if you want to talk about 2023, I mean, they're considered a legit Super Bowl contender. I know they were down three offensive linemen. I know Trayvon Diggs is done for the year. Guess what? Cardinals didn't have Buda Baker. Cardinals were missing their share of players as well. So, considering, look, you can read this however you want. Outcomes are outcomes, wins and losses. They are exactly what they are, and you can't change it, and you really can't misconstrue any outcome. Other than to say that you're seven points away from being 3-0. So I don't know how you process that. Well, how about this? Uh, There's a stat, there's an analytic called DVOA, which is defense-adjusted value over average. Hashtag no math. Um Essentially what it does is it, it takes every play and factors in down and distance and measures each team against the league average okay. on offense and defense to find out like where they kind of stand. After three weeks, the Cardinals are 10th in the NFL in DVOA, which is... Which is a team reading. It's a, a team, team reading, okay. and, and it's a team gauge that if you're, if you're high in the league, you're one of the better teams. It's saying that despite your wins and losses... This is saying you're better than average comparatively. And in recent history, there has been a correlation between your DVOA and your win-loss record? Well, every team above the Cardinals right now, all nine of them, are either 2-1 and or 3-0. Wow. You know, and and that's that. Yeah, right. That's that's a one measuring stick. The fact that the Cardinals have been, won the turnover battle in every single game they've had. They've, 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 they're, they're blowing away teams and explosives against and compared to what yep. they're getting. Yep. I mean, the numbers are saying that this team is in a good place, even if the record isn't quite there yet. Look at that Dallas team. That Dallas team that was on that field in week three reminded me of the Cardinals a year ago. The team with the fast start was the Cardinals. The team with all the penalties, right? That was Dallas, right? Think about last year, how many slow starts for the Cardinals, how many times they were plagued by penalties, pre-snap penalties. That was Dallas. There's winning football, quote, winning behavior, as Jonathan Gannon says, and then there's losing football. And if there's two things I can take away from three games, because no one has any idea where the win-loss record is going to end up. Number one, the team is physical, and the effort, the intensity, the urgency is there. And I don't think you're, it's going to wane. I, I think it's an absolute with this coaching staff. And then number two, from what I can tell, the football IQ is a lot higher than it used to be in a lot of different ways. And whether it was some of those those plays in the offense and the way you cited it, Danny, and the creativity. And, for example, Rondell Moore goes 45 yards for the touchdown. Not long after that, in the next possession, maybe it was two possessions later, they use him as a decoy 
The whole defense flows towards Rondell Moore, and James kind of rips it for 26. So they're setting plays up. There's actual premeditated thought to what's coming next. And like a great Kyle Shanahan offense that's coming to town, the Cardinals, at least so far, have been breaking their own tendencies, which high football IQ teams do, like not using the tight end nearly as much as you talked about, Danny. I think, too, thinking about the wide receivers specifically, this game really looked like it was very personalized for the skill sets of your top three receivers with the space and the size of Michael Wilson and the blocking that he's been doing, utilizing Rondell Moore and his speed and his ball security out of the backfield. His 45-yard touchdown run out of the backfield, completely untouched by a Cowboys defender. And not because nobody was near him. There were about five defenders that were near Rondell. He was just zipping in and out between them, not even touched. And then Hollywood Brown, this was a really, really good game, not just by him, but I think the game plan and how he was used and his speed and really using him as that number one receiver and his ability to create space and be reliable. So I think that was impressive, was it really stood out to me of, look, of course, you're not going to just game plan for simply specific players the entire way through the game in case as defensive coordinator Nick Rollis would say somebody loses their shoe or somebody isn't winning their battles uh, that is that is code for injury if you did not listen to Rollis's uh, press conference Wednesday um, but I do think it is impressive what offensive coordinator Drew Petzing Jonathan Gannon the staff as a whole is doing to where you are really using what each receiver does well and it's meshing very well with this offense as a whole. It's meshing with how you are utilizing James Conner. It's meshing with what Josh Dobbs is doing well so far, either opportunities with his legs or the throws he's able to make. That's what was impressive to me when I look at this offense and these wide receivers was how everybody was used and used together. So let me ask you this. Is the best use of Rondale Moore instead of receiver as a running back? Rondale Moore was really quiet the first two weeks, right? In fact, I almost asked a question going into the Dallas game of the head coach. Um, how would you assess number four and what the production you've gotten out of him and the targets? And and people like us who've been in the media side, what have we said like throughout August, right? Well, geez, they could really use a speed running back. They could really use a change of pace guy with a, some serious jets at running back, make someone miss elusive. Maybe that's Rondale Moore. It's funny because somebody talked about the play that he had, uh, the running, the touchdown run, and there's a longtime uh, fantasy football uh, expert that I, I follow on Twitter, and uh, he is banging the drum for a while that Rondale Moore should be Austin Eckler. Wow. Now, I have not looked at their size enough because there was a lot of people saying well Rondale Moore wouldn't be able to stand up to the pounding and I'm unfortunately Austin Eckler hasn't either he's injured right now in fact um, and I'd be curious to see physically how they would measure up but that definitely caught my attention yeah. I mean I'm not an expert on Austin Eckler but I, I will say that he's renowned for workout videos right he's an absolute like workout beast but then think about Rondale Moore the dude squatted 600 pounds at Purdue so, I mean, in terms of strength and pound for pound just uh, physicality, he has that in his corner. If Rondell Moore was here right now, I'd say two things. One, man, am I sorry. Uh, all apologies uh, for uh, you know being there on the sideline, not getting out of your way. And number two, how do you feel about being a possible running back? What do you think about that, a change of pace running back? Has Kyle Shanahan not used those in the past, like the Raheem Mosterts and guys like that, right? Well, I mean, again... I think we're moving we're moving to a time when uh, tight ends can work out of the backfield and running backs can work out of the backfield and wide receivers like uh, Keenan Allen can throw forty nine yard touchdown passes and like I don't I don't there's no law that says you can't use Rondale Moore as a running back half the time and still call him a wide receiver sure um, but. I just think one one of the things that I've enjoyed out of this offense, and you guys have already kind of touched on it, is the idea that we are going to do different things depending on the opponent. Every coach I've ever covered has said something like that. 
But this is the first time I've really felt. I mean, Zach Ertz was the top targeted guy for two weeks, and he was almost invisible the other day. Yep. And not because he wasn't blocking or doing stuff, but they just weren't throwing to him. There were three targets between him and Trey McBride. You know, Hollywood Brown, I think some days, days is, it's, it's going to make sense to throw to him a bunch of times, and some days it's not. Some days it's going to make sense to have Rondale Moore in the backfield. Some days it's not. And I like the idea that the other team is going to be guessing. And I don't think that the thing that we're going to have a tough time on, because this crossed my mind, the Austin Eckler thing, I thought about bringing up to Drew Petzing in his press conference. We're not going to get that answer. Jonathan Gannon ain't making that, isn't going to answer that. No. In fact, somebody asked him the other day, when when did it come to your head that you were going to start using Rondale Moore in the backfield? And all he said very abruptly and bluntly OTAs and that's all he said so we're, we're not going to get any kind of strong answers about this stuff we're going to have to see how it plays out but I, I certainly would expect to see him there again here's what we do know the Cardinals have the most rushing yards as a team since 1988 since Ron Wolfley was the lead fullback in that run game okay Cardinals rushing attack through three games is averaging 5.6 yards a carry almost number two only behind Miami after that ridiculous 70-burger where they're averaging more than six yards a carry. James Conner himself is number two behind this week's featured running back for the Niners, Christian McCaffrey. Conner's averaging 5.2 yards a carry. Of course, Cardinals are coming off a game where they average 7.4 yards a carry against the NFL's number one ranked defense going into week three. And here's what's remarkable to me. The Cardinals already have an NFL best. Eight runs of 20 or more yards. Do you know how many they had all of last year? I don't want to ruin the fun because I do know this because I used the same stat on the live stream morning scramble on Monday. Let her rip. Yep. Nine. Nine. So you've almost matched the entire total for last year of runs of 20 plus yards. And there's, but, o- there's, well, there's also only one other player, one player above James Conner who's averaging more yards per carry, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Yep. So hashtag cram that vertical. <laughs> Right? I mean, my goodness. That's right. Have you gotten those t-shirts made yet, Paul? I have not. I can't decide between... I think one, one, one side's going to say cram it vertical, and then the other side's going to say it's a mindset. So oh. it's sort of an evolving thing. You know, that's the whole Can James Conner deal. Do your Isaiah t-shirts, are those, <laughs> are those in some stop it. other country now? Yeah, they're uh, along with the uh, number nine jerseys. No, don't bring that up. Uh, so look, here's the deal. Um you have a Cardinals team that now is 1-2. and two. Uh, They have the run game. What are we going to see against the 49ers? Oh, by the way, it's the latest game against the best front seven in the NFL. You've gone from Dallas now to the 49ers with Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave. And you got Javon Kinlaw, who's finally balling out like a first-rounder. Drake Jackson, their second-rounder last year, had three sacks in the first game of the year. And then, oh, by the way, probably the best middle linebacker in the game and Fred Warner. By the way, speaking of middle linebacker, that brings us back to the Cardinals. Enough about the stinking 49ers. How about Kaiser White? I mean... Might be the off-season acquisition. Yes. I mean, look, we're, we're not talk. Josh Jobs is already obviously right that that trade has been playing well. But I'm saying as the free agent that you picked up, I mean, Kaiser White has been phenomenal flying around the field for this defense. This defense is playing fast. And that's not us. That's... The Giants going into week two, what they saw on the Washington game film. That's Dallas, what they saw in the first two games. That's what you hear from the opposing offenses now. The Cardinals defense, the first word they say, fast. And as Jonathan Gannon told us on his TV show this week, it's not just playing fast like team speed, which the Cardinals have, and Kaiser White is a sideline-to-sideline guy. It's the ability to process and make plays fast, to get into coverages fast, to make your checks and 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 adapt to what the offense is doing and react quickly. And that's what we heard in the offseason, or at least we heard a little hint towards it when guys like Jalen Thompson would say, we're playing more free now, almost like they've been unlocked in some ways. Yes, and with Kaiser uh, White especially, I mean, this is a guy, and I know you've talked about it before, Paul, this is a guy who played a certain way in his best years and didn't quite get to that spot when he was playing for the Eagles last year, and now he's more back to what he really loves to do, and it shows. And yep. I, I th- this guy's a better player than I thought he was, and uh, he's been fantastic on an emotional level, on a football mentality level, and just on a leadership level. I mean, 
they got a, a diamond with him. You should see him work the sideline. He's talking to everyone, you know, especially the DBs, especially the defensive linemen. Uh, the way, I mean, it was after we ran into a couple of the Cardinals team leaders on defense, not named Kaiser White. It was after the Washington loss. And the first thing they mentioned wasn't necessarily the scheme or the performance. It was how Kaiser White had called the game, that the calls were in early, the checks were made immediately. So the Cardinals are in position. They're able to make plays and react, not scrambling to cover. Oh, wait, you have him right before the ball is snapped. And we saw a lot of that the last couple of years. That's no longer an issue. So you can't play fast unless you have the alignment and assignment down. And Kaiser White, in a very underrated way, has been integral to that process. So right now, there's no question he's the defensive MVP of this team. For all those reasons, not to mention he had 14 tackles and a game ceiling pick in this last game. And there's a lot of times he's the only true linebacker really out there. I mean, it's just been great. And and we've said this not just about Kaiser White, but team as a whole. I know we've talked about this with the rookies and the fact that every drafted rookie made the team and just the way that this coaching staff is seeming to get the most out of those players. And sometimes when you get the most out of a player – it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be an impact player for the scheme you're running and who you have out there, but that doesn't seem to be the case from what this coaching staff is getting from their players like Kaiser White. It seems like they are not only getting the most from those players, but what they are getting is fitting what they want to get done out on the field. It's been very impressive the way he has clearly been a vocal leader led by his play out there. That is someone you need. You need someone to have that passion, that energy, that heart, especially when you don't have Buda Baker out on the field who's still dealing with a hamstring. And that might be my biggest fear in this game against the 49ers. No Buda Baker, the team tackling. It was an issue at times against yeah, Dallas. It was. And that Rico Daddle run that should have been two yards, that was oof. nine. I think I counted yeah. seven Cardinals defenders. And you know what? Against the 49ers, it's probably a touchdown. If it's Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel, you're not living to tell about that and play another down. That ball's in the end zone. Nobody breaks tackles. Nobody has yards after the catch. You can check the stats, like the 49ers. Brock Purdy threw for over 300 yards in this last game. 70% of those passing yards were yards after the catch. Twice they had third and double digits. It was third and 12, third and 15, I believe. It was third and 10 plus. Both times he threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, they got first downs. Debo did it once. Christian McCaffrey did it once. So if you don't go to the 49ers and you don't bring your tackling, you're done. And without Buda Baker, that's a concern. It's a legitimate concern. It is. It is. And and one of the things that I really liked about this team the first two games was the tackling. Um Unfortunately, in the Giants game in the second half, I thought the tackling was relatively sound. The problem was the Giants were getting wide open 15, 20 yards down the field first. <laughs> yeah. But it was after a pass to the third level. The, That's uh, when you tackle them. The Cowboys game was the first game where I'm like, oh, okay, you, you guys got to be better. So I don't, it's a small sample size, and I do feel like they've done a nice job tackling. But uh, I absolutely agree with you. You know, look, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this game this weekend and you feel better because you're coming off a win and you played pretty well and we talked about the numbers but going to San Francisco playing a team that's playing like they are right now on both sides of the ball uh, they have very few holes there's two teams in the league right now you're like okay it's the 49ers and it's the Eagles and that's that's where they are right now And, and they get to play those teams three times still so you know when we talk about measuring sticks and where this team is, you want to continue to compete and, and trend upwards, but you're going to have some significant tests. Now, we thought the Cowboys were one of those significant tests, and I think it was, but I don't know if the Cowboys, especially with some of those injuries, are on the same level. We're going to get a real yeah. nice barometer here. But I will say, I do think yes as a whole in terms of comparing, or not comparing, but looking at how much of a true test this game was against the Cowboys. I think when you narrow it down, the way that this offensive line and the tight ends were blocking against a very powerful pass rush with Demarcus Lawrence, but mostly with Micah Parsons, who's able to move around from linebacker all across the defensive line, has been arguably the best defender in the league for the first three weeks. 
he was essentially a non-factor. He had one sack. He had, I think, maybe two quarterback hits, maybe a tackle for loss. I think those were the numbers, but very low for what Parsons was putting up the first two weeks. And that's impressive that you have that blocking. Josh Dobbs had that timing. So I think if you're looking for something specific, I know that the Cowboys defense was dealing with some injuries and things of that nature. But I think the fact that this Cardinals offense did such a good job against that pass rush and keeping the pocket clean for Dobbs, big win. And his escapability, right? How many times did, did he buy time and extend the play? And and then you realize, and, and, and it's it's continually reinforced by Jonathan Gannon. They really value the ability of a quarterback to make plays with his legs. And you realize why the trade was made. Why they went after him. Why they moved away from 37-year-old Colt McCoy. Because he didn't have that dimension to his game. He, I mean, Jonathan Gannon said he doesn't think you can make it in the NFL right now if you don't have an offense with that kind of ability but from your quarterback. You know Brock Purdy really well, right, from his days in Arizona. Is he that guy? How, how mobile is he? How capable is he of escaping the pass rush? I mean, I, I'm curious to see him. Uh, up close and, and personal in this game and, and get a real read. Now, obviously, there's a lot to like. He's won all eight of his regular season games. He's won two playoff games. It, it's remarkable. The season finale wasn't good enough for you, Paul? Hey, yeah, we got a... Uh, and you know what? Honestly, of all the games played so far, and that Dallas win was glorious, there's no doubt about it, you got to compete in your division. And there's always many reasons why a coaching change is made in the first place. But one of the big reasons is how you... How you compare to the rest of your division? And the two games against the 49ers last year were not competitive. No. They were not. So, okay. How ready are the Cardinals to compete against a 49ers team that's 3-0 and for only the second time in the last 25 years? That's remarkable. Uh, how, how, how competitive will this game be? And, and honestly, I think we can say this. If we're in the trust tree right here, Kyle Shanahan's scheme has made the Cardinals look really bad at times over the last five years. I yes. really don't appreciate you me you making me kind of relive and rethink that Mexico City game against the 49ers yes. right now, Paul. Exactly. It was raining that game in more ways than one. And so um, I'm really curious to see just the game plan, especially, I don't know if it was you who asked it, Darren, in the uh, press conference with Nick Rollis. I mean, these coaches, especially on defense, spent all that time in the NFC Championship game, getting out. ready, getting ready for the Niners. It's a great observation. How much? I mean that that was just a hot second ago where they played like this it. team. I mean, you you had a chance, and I know Brock Purdy got hurt early in that game, so they didn't have to deal with him. But certainly, the preparation was all yeah. for Brock Purdy. And how much of the game plan is still left that they never showed uh, against Brock Purdy? I think that's a fantastic. Now you got completely different personnel than you did in Philadelphia. True. Yeah, so you're you going to have to approach it a lot you know. differently. You don't have the Philly now, defensive the, line. The 49ers have had an entire offseason now to work with Purdy and, Although, and yeah. adjust. It was interesting yep. to hear Nick Rallis say in the offseason he did like a whole workup on the 49ers. Now, yeah. maybe he did that on all three division foes, knowing that you're going to face them twice a year. But I, I, the, the Purdy thing is fascinating. I will, I'll not lie. I, there was a part of me coming into this season, I'm like, okay, was it a lightning in the bottle kind of situation last year? It sure doesn't look like it. It does feel exact. And Nick Rollis said it. It feels like he is the exact perfect quarterback for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, and he executes it so perfectly with the personnel around him. And they're just they're just set up in so many good ways. And I'll, I'll be again fascinated to see on both sides of the ball, you know, how Drew Petzing attacks this excellent 49ers defense. Uh, because he did such a smart job going right at Micah Parsons a lot of the time last week. What do you do the same thing with Nick Boza? And then on on the other side of the ball, how do you handle uh, Brock Purdy? Can you keep your eyes uh, in the right place? Uh, can you be honest? Could, is your defense going to stay honest, Paul? Because obviously you th- thought a lot about that. Nick Rollins did not. Here we go. Yeah, uh, that was a question that uh, – I should have just sat on <laughs> at the end of the press conference. He didn't get it. You know what's what's ironical a little bit is I posed that almost the exact same question to Jonathan Gannon on his TV show, and he immediately answered it. He immediately understood what I was talking about. It was, I mean, I didn't even have to finish the question, and he jumped all over it, and it failed. <laughs> Epic fail with Nick Rollis, who looked utterly confused by what I was trying to drive at. <laughs> 
Do we have any plans to give some love to special teams on this episode? Oh, thank you for changing the topic Danny, again, Danny. Go thank right you. there. A 62 yarder from Matt Prater yeah. to end the half. Okay. Sheesh. And be honest, when it left his foot, you thought low. No chance. No chance. That was a scud missile. That was like a surface air missile. I mean, shame on me for not believing in Matt Prater. Shame on me for not whoa, believing whoa, whoa, that whoa, Jeff whoa. Rogers and Jonathan Gannon knew what you know they were doing and trusting he could make that. Matt Prater admitted after the game, as soon as he kicked it, he goes, There's, "That's not going in." So okay, even so Matt, did he no say shame that? On oh, yeah. He did. I asked him after the game. I said, yeah. "I said the laces were in. How much?" And he goes, "Well, he goes, I'm going to be honest. He goes, when I kicked it, I'm like, I don't think that has enough to get there." No. And he goes, and I couldn't see anything. Until the until the guys put their arms up, I didn't know if it was good or not. To so. me, a kicker is similar to an offensive lineman in the sense that you don't want to be talked about. Typically, when you are getting called out, it's not for a good thing. True. And I think you have asked this question to special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers before, Darren, of does it feel like there's an expectation now, yes, at least from fans, that kickers are expected to go and make Every single kick. And that's yep. kind of what it feels like. That's because it is. And I just don't want Cardinals fans to take for granted how reliable and powerful Matt Prater has been consistently. Is he perfect? No. Right? We know that from the numbers of recently missing against the Giants, that first field goal. But he is consistent. He is reliable. And even going back to the Giants, a great example it didn't get in his head. A lot of kickers, you miss something like that, especially on the first drive. It's going to be hard for you mentally to come back and finish the game on a high note, and Matt Prater had no problem doing that. So I wanted to at least make sure we gave special teams, especially Matt Prater, love just because that was incredible. And he he leads the league for most field goals. Yeah, he's the NFL record for most 50-yard field goals. By a long shot. I Also, yeah. if we're doing special teams love, a quick shout-out to Greg Dorch. <laughs> Who had like uh, whatever it was, 17, 19 yard punt return right at, right before halftime? That if he doesn't do that punt return, they probably don't try and go after that 62 yard field. Yeah. In fact, that's the uh, film room play of the week, play of the game on Game Plan, Jonathan Gannon's TV show. Is Jeff Rogers is going to go ahead and draw up that punt return by Greg Dortch right before halftime that made the 62 yard field goal possible what's remarkable too is did you see the end of the Ravens game or in overtime Justin Tucker missed came up short on the 61 yarder the best kicker in the game arguably the best kicker in the history of the NFL and I don't even think it's arguable okay He he hit it clean I mean it was beautiful it was like you know he hit that driver straight down the fairway you're like all that no it was short well again Jeff Rogers talked about in his press conference this week it was outdoors there was a little bit of of rain I think it, you, when you're outdoors, it changes the equation a little bit. And and this is going on that. It goes back to what Danny just brought up. And I did ask Jeff Rogers earlier this year about fans getting angry when kickers miss a field goal, like they're going to make 100% of them. You know, I'm old enough that when I first started watching the NFL, if a kicker was making 60% of his field goals, that was considered pretty good. It's true. And, and Facts, as a kid say. And then I was watching, uh, you know, people, they were incredulous like you were, yeah. that Tucker missed a 61-yard field goal where it's like once upon a time we'd be like, okay, this this stretches the bounds of real And you're, I'm not saying you're wrong. We absolutely expect him to make it because he's done it and he's so good, but it's like 61 yards, that's not nothing. And I'm just saying it was so clean. He hit it so high and agreed. straight and it missed, whereas Prater's was the low scud wow, missile, yeah. and you're like, how is and it got through. I, again, there's there's different things that go in. I saw when I was watching Monday Night Football games this week, I forget who they were talking about, but they were breaking down the kicker like Evan McPherson of the Bengals is made like freaking 85% of his 50-yard field goals in his career, and that's why fans get upset is because yeah. these guys are so good right. that they've set the bar way high. We have referenced a lot of what the coordinator said, so I just want to say if you have an interest of hearing their full press conferences, they're on our official YouTube channel. All three coordinators talk Tuesday late morning. And by the way, if you don't appreciate Matt Prater, um, hello, you need to go back to last year when the Cardinals were so injured. How injured were they? Not only did they use 84 different players last year, but they had four different kickers over the course of last season. So... Go ahead and, and check out how those results were. The three other guys not named Matt Prater. I had I had fans in the offseason saying that they thought Prater didn't was bad and he missed too many field goals last year. I'm like, 
Are you just thinking of the kickers? Are you talking about Matt Prater? Because Matt Prater had his best season in like six years last year in terms of percentage. So, all right. There we go. Um, What else do we leave out? Anything we leave out here? Three of the next four against the division. So you get the Niners. Then you get Cincinnati at home. Then you go to the Rams, to the Seahawks. Yeah, not only three or four, but all of them are on the road. What's up with that? It's sort of like the Dimebacks finishing out their season by playing the Chicago White Sox. Like, who devised that schedule in Major League Baseball? You're down the stretch, you're fighting for a playoff spot, and you're in Chicago to play the White Sox in the final few games of the year? I think that's That's fair. no that's comprendo. A, that's a fair question. That I, don't, I don't really get that at all. Could you stay out of the way this week so you don't get hit? <laughs> Believe me, I'm going to stay way out of I, You know, I did regret earlier today, I, I might have, speaking of Scud missiles, I might have fired off a few text messages to a few of my 49er-loving buddies. Oh, boy. Might have sent off a text message or two that, <clears throat> that we're coming to NorCal to uh, – Go ahead and beat down your Silicon Valley candy asses. Um, maybe, so maybe you should I, stick may, to UFOs, Paul. May I really? I you know, it's just the trash talk is not becoming. I well, really. Speaking of, I was on well this podcast obviously, and then I do cover two with Craig Grillo on Wednesdays, and both podcasts. Last week was asked what my family was going to wear since I'm from Dallas. Family are Cowboys fans. I used to work for the Cowboys, and I'm very surprised and proud to say that my parents. I was expecting my dad to be like half and half. Nope. Full Cardinals gear, okay. like really? props to yes. him. It, only after he attacked me on Twitter, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't think it was an attack. <laughs> just no, so you I honest. just, I just wanted to let everybody know because apparently everyone was very concerned what my family was going to be wearing. So while it was still like pretty split across the board in terms of, you know, yeah. when you counted siblings and aunts, uncles, cousins, and whatever, but my parents. Really, I'm more surprised by my dad. Just full Cardinals gear, which of course they were going to be happy either way. Of my dad said, look, like you were a great winner. Like, we're happy you won. We care about your happiness. So I will say that that win over we the Cowboys all care about Danny's happiness. was a where, nice little personal where, victory. Where's the tweet with dad in his Cardinals gear? Did I we, think he did tagged we see you. That? Oh, he, well, I, no, he I saw the one before the game, before the game. But did he end, uh, Did he eventually send out? Like what he was wearing? Sure. No, he did not. I just, I FaceTimed him after the game and he was wearing his Cardinals polo. He tweeted out and put I'm up so there. I'm so sorry you know, he disappointed you. Props to pops, you know, just go hey, ahead and tweet it I like out there. That. You know, just throw it out there. A well, little we bit. know he listens, so he does listen. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> so Danny made the mailbag, by the way. This oh, was she boy. did. Oh no, is that good, good, that good or bad? Well, I mean, people just love Danny and they love bringing her up. So why wouldn't <laughs> well, I answer a question? Well, Darren's answer about was it? amazing. Really? Okay. Should right. we leave it a mystery for people to go read it, or do you want to I talk about so. it? Uh, you guys are the experts at driving clicks. So you know, if you want to, if you want to risk Dan Lanning ripping you, the Oregon football coach, <laughs> then you can go ahead at your own at your own risk. Throw it out there. Clicks or no clicks. I mean, Darren's never said I wasn't tough. Um, no, somebody, uh, which was very kind, had asked how many picks the Cardinals gave up to poach me from the Cowboys in 2021. <laughs> That's good. And Darren, in his lovingly witty response, uh, per usual, said, you know, we lucked out because she was actually a free agent. So we have pretty much won that scenario, I'll say, in, in more or less. That's a nice way to put it. Darren basically said we won the scenario. Uh, comp picks, though? Do we have to give up comp picks no, because no, of the free agent no, signing? No, she, no such no. thing? We're, okay. we're beyond that. <laughs> good. Okay. Didn't have to give up any picks, and the okay. Cowboys are still chasing their tail. Okay, that's good. Once again, it was a Pentagon report in 2021, <laughs> and officials did not rule out the possibility that the objects in question in the possession of the American government are, quote, extraterrestrial. I feel like we should change the name from Cardinals Underground to Cardinals... Outer Space? Yeah, something. Josh Dobbs, uh, that question is coming. I just have to figure out the opportune <laughs> moment, and it's got to go better than my question to Nick Rollis. And that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.